In the midst of this global crisis, the voices for justice are revealing what really matters. It is time for Planetary Makeover. Here we feature solutions and modern miracles in documentary videos that offer hope for our future and remind us all of our spiritual source. Long ago it was forecast that at this time in history, extraordinary teachers, including the world teacher, would emerge to help us as we build a world that works for everyone. Now, here's your host of Planetary Makeover, Mr. David Minot. Welcome everyone to another episode of Planetary Makeover. We're featuring part two of Dick Larson's interview with McNair Ezzard, an ordained minister and healthcare administrator and longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom Teaching on Life After Death, entitled No Fear of Death. As I said in part one, I think I mentioned that this is an enduring mystery and also mankind's greatest fear but it doesn't need to be. It's time we turned that old idea on its head and began viewing it as an integral part of the cycle and circle of that great adventure that we call life. As always, here at Planetary Makeover, we're not here to convince you of anything. All this information is presented for your consideration only. All that we ask is that you approach the material with a truly open mind to consider the creation of a new civilization based on sharing, synthesis, love, justice, ecological restoration, equality, peace, synthesis, and retaining the best of the old while embracing the best of the new. And to perform this, we assert and demonstrate that humanity is not alone. We have help of an extraordinary kind that will inspire us to transform this seemingly impossible future into reality. And that help comes in the form of the world teacher and his group, the Masters of Wisdom. He is the world teacher for all of humanity, a spiritual teacher, not a religious figure per se, and a teacher in the broadest sense. Now this figure and this group have been predicted by all the world's religions for thousands of years. If you think about it, for the Christians, it would be the Christ. For the Jews, it's the Messiah. For the Muslims, it's the Imam Mati. For the Hindus, it's the Kalki Avatar. And for the Buddhists, it's Maitreya. They got the name right. Yep, the world teacher for this, the Aquarian Age, his name is Maitreya. And he's come back into the world for the first time in 100,000 years with his group, the Masters of Wisdom. And they're here for everyone, everyone from the most fervent fundamentalist to the most diehard atheist. The masters of wisdom are not aligned with any religious 
governmental or philosophical or scientific group. They're here for the people. And it's literally considered the most important event in mankind's history. And as I said, they love all conditionally across the board, whether or not those groups believe in them, whatever that may mean, or care for their message, which might strike some as a little strange because they didn't expect the world teacher and these figures that all the world's religions expect to be talking about economic and social and political justice. They think they're going to talk about just religion, who's right, who's wrong, who's saved, who's not. But it's a much broader message than that, thankfully. Maitreya is actually an avatar, and he's wielding energies and combinations that's never happened before on the planet, because he's overshadowed, in turn, by the avatar of peace and equilibrium, of synthesis, and of a third energy for yet, as yet we have no name. But you could think of it as unstoppable will. It's one way of putting it. So, as I said, the Masters and Maitreya are going to help humanity enter the Age of Aquarius. We just came out of the Age of Pisces, where mankind learned to express his individuality and learned the concept of idealism. 2,000 years before, this time, that was almost unknown amongst the mass of humanity. But now they've come out of the herd. And we've learned to become individuals and to express ourselves that way. However, it's time to move on to the next phase. Because like sour milk, if the age sticks around too long, the energy goes bad. So individualism has become greed and idealism has become fanaticism. So now we're in the age of Aquarius where we will move beyond that and it's all the other wonderful qualities that I mentioned earlier. Now the writings about Maitreya and the Masters of Wisdom, as well as their own writings, are designed, are meant to stimulate our mind and our intuition in a way that does not interfere with our free will. Because our free will to the Masters is sacrosanct. Some of those authors you may have heard of or may recall as Alice Bailey, Helena Roderick, Madame Blavatsky, and most recently, Benjamin Krem. And also, let's not forget Krishnamurti, who was a pupil, a student of Maitreya's. As I mentioned, this week we're featuring the video part two of Dick Larson's interview entitled No Fear of Death, in which again he speaks with McNair Ezzard on removing the stigma that humanity associates with death. You'd think that nearly 150 years after the advent of spiritualism in the late 19th century and all that's come since then, that we'd have figured it out by now. But we're still frightened of that concept known as death. The COVID crisis has helped put this in perspective for us and put it front and center in our lives. And when we learn more about the true nature of death and life and how life is a continuous journey, that death is only illusion, we'll be better equipped to step back and grasp the big picture of life. And as I said, realize that our lives are simply a continuum, which in deepest terms goes on endlessly.
And on that note, let's see what Dick Larson and McNair Nezard have to say on the subject and benefit from the wisdom that they have to impart. Afterwards, we'll take a few more minutes to review what we've witnessed. Enjoy. My name is Dick Larson, and welcome to the show. My guest today, my special guest, is Reverend McNair Ezzard. Reverend Ezzard is an ordained Methodist minister. He is also a healthcare administrator and a longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom teachings. And it's wonderful to have you here, McNair. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dick. Um, for starters, would you share a little bit about your background and about how you came to be interested in death and dying? It's interesting because it seems like it's to me it's been a lifelong interest. Even um, when I was a child, I used to read about ghosts and hauntings and things like that. I think that was probably my first indication that I had an interest and sure. went off to college and I majored in film and television. I did a couple of films on death and dying. Went to um, seminary, did my thesis on hospice and death and dying and got involved in, in hospice after that. It's Maybe there's some unresolved issues around the prospect of death that I want to deal with, and this is my way. I don't know, but it's uh, it's certainly the ultimate question for all of us um, about what happens when we die and how our lives are shaped um, based on our fear or not fear of death. What is your experience of how our society views death? Well, unfortunately, I think we're a death-denying society. Death-denying? Death-denying. We've had a lot of advances over the last 30 years in how we care for the dying um, through such programs as hospice where people are enabled to die free of machinery um, and no pain. Um, but basically, we still deny that death exists. We can see it in the way that we keep people alive in nursing homes where quantity is much more important than quality and quality of life and in hospitals where we keep people attached to machines where if we would unattach those machines the people would die and mm -hmm. move on we see it in our advertisements on television the shows that people watch which emphasize youth um, very seldom do we see senior citizens advertising products on television it's all geared to youth and being alive and those sorts of things we don't really take the time to think about death and what it means for our lives. So yeah, I would say we're definitely a death-denying society. Do you get the impression that most people think death is a bad thing then? If you're lying in pain and you've been suffering with cancer for months, mm -hmm. even maybe a year or so, then death may not look like such a bad thing. Right. But if you're young, 30s, 40s, 20s, 50s and you feel like you've got your whole life ahead of you, um, death could be seen as bad. It, it just depends on the person whether you, whether we would view it as, as good or bad. And every culture is different too. Um, different religions view death differently. So it just, it's just a matter of the society and the people that make up that society. So death isn't necessarily viewed as bad then? 
Not necessarily. Um, Do you think it's feared? I think it's feared. I think there's not only the fear of death, but there's also the fear of dying. You and I talked earlier before the show about um, we weren't, weren't necessarily afraid of death, but we we're afraid of the process of dying, that we yes. didn't want to be in pain, that we didn't want to die too young. Um, that's, those, that kind of issue is totally different than the fear of death itself. With the fear of death, we fear loss of our identity, we fear judgment, say if we're um, deeply steeped in the Christian tradition, traditional teaching of heaven and hell, we fear judgment and that we're going to go to hell if we didn't live a good life, right. um, those sorts of things. Fear loss of our family and friends, loss of our identity, all these things are tied up with, our, with a fear of death. So there's a lot of fear in, around death. There can be, yeah. yeah. Most of it yeah. covered up that we're not even in touch with. Well. How did we get? How did we get there? How did we get to the point where society is so preoccupied with the fear of death? I don't know that they're, that they're so preoccupied with it, but we're so focused on this identity as this body or this job or this house or this relationship. We identify with the things of this world, mm -hmm. and we think that that's who we are. And that all this whole idea, and so we don't really even think about death or, but when we're confronted with it, we could see very easily that we have a fear of death. When we lose a friend or right. we see a big calamity happen in the world and it hits home with us, we could, we could come face to face with our fear if we're open to it. But it's really basically through our conditioning. It may be societal conditioning, but more importantly, I think it's through religious conditioning that the church, especially in the West, the Christian church, has not taught us the truth about who we are. You know, we, we are all familiar with that teaching that we're sinners from the, the word go, that we're sinners, Original worms sin. in the dust, mm -hmm. you know, and that we have no chance of ever getting out of that. Right. That's just the status of things. But we're not. We're much more than that. And according to the Ageless Wisdom teachings, which I've studied for a number of years, we are really spiritual beings, divine beings, children of God, if you will, that are here for a purpose and are on a long journey. So it's basically the conditioning, the teachings that we've been confronted with from our youth until now and throughout the last 2,000 years has gotten us into this predicament of not really knowing what happens after death and not knowing who we are. Growing up in the Christian tradition myself, um, one of the things that I thought a lot about as a young person was the fear of death because I hadn't lived as well as I could, as rightly as I could, uh, and I was afraid to go to hell. Mm -hmm. Is there a hell? I don't think so. Not no. in the traditional way that we have of understanding hell. Hell is not a, a place under the earth where there's a devil and he stands there and, and you, there's fire you, and there's fire and you spend the rest of your time there after you die. So no, there's not a hell. Hell, you can have hell on earth. There's many people who experience hell right here on earth. And depending on our desires and our state of consciousness, that creates our own life. We each create our own life situation. And the strength of our desires and where those desires are focused can create a hell for us. And when we die and we go to a different level of consciousness or awareness on the other planes of existence, those desires and those 
things that we used to dwell on and focus on when we were in the body, they don't suddenly disappear. They go with us. So we can take the hell that we might create for ourselves here. We experience it on the other side when we leave the body. So there is a hell, but it's, it's of our own making and it's on of, our, of our own state of awareness. Okay, so somebody who in their lifetime is <clears throat> uh, has low self-esteem and doesn't think much of themselves and is very critical of others and, and is pretty much a miserable, lonely person, are you saying that when they die, their hell is going to be that they're going to continue in that state of consciousness, that state of mind, that kind of thing? In a sense, yeah. Until we learn the truth about who we are and until we manifest that truth in our day-to-day -day existence. Till we learn that we're children of God and that we're here for a purpose and that love is what we're supposed to be learning and manifesting in our relationships, we die, but we come back again. So we'll learn the next time if we don't learn this time. So the concept of rebirth. Yeah. Yeah. That eventually we'll get it right and we'll manifest. Okay, divinity. if there's no hell, technically speaking, then what about heaven? Is there no heaven? Heaven is a state of awareness as well. And actually, there's two ways to look at heaven. There's heaven in the sense that it's a state of consciousness. Um, we can experience heaven on earth if we have enough love in our hearts mm -hmm. and we manifest enough love in our relationships. We could experience heaven right here in this, in this time, in this body, as a person. If humanity as a whole was manifesting enough love and we experienced a uh, a civilization of peace and harmlessness and well-being, we could experience that sort of heaven right here on earth. But heaven is not a place where you go when you die and you knock on the pearly gates and if you're lucky, St. Peter will turn the key and let you in and if, if not, you go to the other place. That's not what heaven is about. But there's also a sense that heaven in the Bible, it's called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is where we're all headed eventually through the reincarnational process, as we become perfect by coming back over and over and over again and learning, and learning the lessons, lessons okay. we eventually enter that state where all those who have become perfect now live. The masters of wisdom, the great white brotherhood, the disciples of, of the Christ, um, the Christ himself, all these individuals who have gone ahead of us live in that state of brotherhood and that state of unity and love. Where, which is also known as the kingdom of God, which is where we're headed eventually. So do we go there and hang out, or is there work to do there? There's lots of work to do. When you get into heaven, actually, you've got a lot more work to do than you do now when you don't experience it. So you don't float on a cloud and play a harp. You don't float on a cloud. <laughs> the idea, we come into, our souls come into incarnation, come into these bodies because it has a purpose. And that purpose is to serve the plan of God. As we evolve, we become more aware of what that plan is. We become more aware of our part in that plan. Yes. So as we become perfect and learn everything that schoolhouse earth has to teach us, right. we want to participate in that plan more. And we can take on more of that plan to ourselves and manifest our part in helping that plan to become a reality on the earth. So, so we come back. Even right. After we're perfect. So when we're done with the physical body and we become permanent spirit beings, then there are there's work to do in the spiritual world as well. There's work to saying. be done in the spiritual okay. realm, but there's also we come back in another body, but we don't have to resolve all the bad things we've created for ourselves. We've mm -hmm. already done all that work and resolved resolved our bad karma. So now we're just here to help humanity to 
put a hand down and lift our brothers and sisters up towards okay. the light. So you we said, come back or we don't come back. It just depends on what our individual destiny might be. Okay, you said we resolve our individual karma. Mm -hmm. Is that salvation? Where does salvation fit into this? It is salvation. Salvation is a path that we step on. As we step on the spiritual way, the spiritual existence, and start to meditate, start to study, start to serve other people, mm -hmm. the way of salvation opens before us, and we move closer to our destiny, which is union with God towards a certain level of consciousness and awareness. So that is our salvation. Now karma, as we come back into incarnation, like if I do something bad to you today, I have to pay for that. If I do something good to you today, I will reap the benefits of that. Law of cause and effect. Exactly. It says it in the Bible. Jesus says it in the Bible. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. As you sow, so shall you now, reap. I might not reap the benefits or the bad karma next life, but right. I might reap the benefits or the bad karma three lives from now. Okay. And the, the purpose of that is so that we eventually learn to live in harmlessness with each other. And the law of karma teaches us that eventually when you get hit your head against the wall enough, you know not to hit your head against the wall anymore, and you learn and you grow and you move on and you learn, you learn new lessons. So nobody saves you, talking about salvation, except you. Exactly. It's all up to us. We can do it quickly or slowly. We have free will, but it's all up to us. Eventually, we're all going to the same place. Some of us will do it slower. People like the Christ have done it a lot quicker. People right. like the Buddha have done it a lot quicker than us. Right. So yeah, eventually we go, but we, we have free will to make it a slow process or a quick process. To get back just for a minute to the fear of death, um, which is where we started mm. this conversation, how would you suggest that people deal with the fear of death? The best way to deal with it is not to wait not to wait till you're on your deathbed, oh. not to wait until you're 90 years old and you haven't given it a thought your whole life, mm -hmm. but to turn towards it in your life in a manner of speaking. Face it, think about it, um, don't be afraid of it, but just if you know, get in touch with it within oneself about what death means. Learn who you are as a child of God, start to read the great spiritual teachers, meditate, whatever it might take that you can get in touch with that inner divinity within yourself, find out who you are, and look at what other philosophers, philosophers and teachers have said about death. Read on these things, and you become more familiar with it, and the familiar doesn't hold the same sense of fear and trepidation because you become, it's become more of a friend than an, than an enemy to you. So it sounds like you're saying get to know yourself, find some kind of inward path, whether it's mm -hmm. some kind of spiritual path or, or whatever it is, um, to get to know yourself, who you really are, that you're a spirit, not a, not a physical, not just a physical when body. You know, when you know who you are, you know that this world is transient. You know that your relationships are not permanent. You know that you're not your job or your house or mm -hmm. your car. All these things pass away. And you focus on what is permanent, which is that soul of yourself, that inner spark of God. That's what's permanent. And when you get in touch with that, the world can come and go or people can come and go. I mean, you may miss them because we're all human, but you know that nothing in this world lasts and that the real part of us 
whether we're in the body or out of the body, the real part of us lives on. So that's the number one call. Is get to know yourself, who you really are. Who you really are as right. a spirit, as right. a soul. Yes. Right. Then the other thing you said is get educated about what people have said about death, what, what knowledgeable people have written. I would assume that might include even reading uh, books by people like Dr. Raymond Moody, who's talked about near-death experiences right. and talked to people who've actually died. People who've had those near-death experiences right, have come right. back. Um, there's lots of more and more books out all the time now of research into this whole prospect of reincarnation and that sort of thing. All these things, I mean, there's a, a fellow professor at University of Virginia, Ian Stevenson, who's been doing research for years about where he goes to um, these countries, say India or Lebanon, and he interviews children who remember all these details about a previous existence and he I can verify that. that because the people of that previous existence for that child are still there and they can name their parents, they can name where they live, their brothers or sisters, all these sorts of things are that he has researched that these children talk about. So there's things like that that are going on in other scientific studies which are proving more and more that there's more to life than just this physical world that we see, yeah. that there is a consciousness within us that has a life outside of this body. And these sorts of things can help us get more familiar with the prospect of death and thereby lessen our fear of death. Very good. I also want to talk just for a moment about people who have suffered the loss of a loved one. Um, they, they're going through grief and loss, the tragic, tragic losses sometimes. And I'm wondering what suggestion you might have for people about how to handle their grief, how to move mm -hmm. through their grief, how to deal with that tremendous, tremendous grief and suffering of the loss yeah. of a loved one. Grief, grief is very hard for people. Yes. Um, we all have to go through it. If, we're not, if we don't die when we're young, then eventually our parents, our friends, old people older than us and younger than us are all, are all going to die. I mean, we're going to be in that role sometime, but Grief affects us on such a deep level that it can never, it's always there, even after time has passed, a year or two after we've lost a loved one, for mm -hmm. instance, mm -hmm. will never go away. That gap will always be there. That hole that we might feel within our lives will always be there. But we have to understand that it's part of the normal process to grieve. It's normal to cry. It's normal to want to talk about it all the time with our friends. We have to understand that people we know that are grieving need to be able to talk. They need permission to know it's okay to cry. Um, people don't get over grief in a week. You know, in our society right. we say, well, take a week off, you know, come back to work in a right. week, and people expect you to be over it, but you're not. You still carry this with you. Yeah. People can get very depressed about it. I would say if you're grieving to make sure you have a support network somehow, a friend or two friends mm -hmm. or f other family members or whatever it might be, find a support group through something like a hospice or social service agency or through your church. Mm -hmm. People that are going through grief share with one another so that you know you're not alone in that experience. Mm -hmm. And just give yourself time. You can read books about what you're going through. The, there's common threads in grief common things that people experience, no matter what kind of grief it is. We all, they all have certain characteristics that we're all going to undergo. Yeah. And reading about them, hearing other people talk about them, will let us know that we're not crazy. 
you know, and that it's normal what we're experiencing. Does writing help? Sometimes writing a People goodbye letter or letter of regrets and thank you. Those things are things helpful. Like you know, it goes along that same line as journaling, doing a daily oh, journal okay. and a, something like that. All, whatever, whatever it might be that a person gravitates to, that's what they should do. The thing not to do is to drink do drugs, mm -hmm. to run away from your grief. Alter your consciousness. To alter your consciousness. The thing to do is to turn and face it, be with it, not dwell on it, but if the waves of grief come it. over you, just sit back, sit quietly, and just watch it happening in your life, mm -hmm. you know? But don't turn away from it. Don't run away from it because it'll come up in other ways further down the line. You know, yeah. either physical symptoms or in your relationships. People, the thing to do is to let it out. People don't want to experience it. They want to avoid the painful feelings. But it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, that, that experiencing it is the way to process through it and to finally come out the other end of it. It is. And people yeah. want to avoid people that are grieving. Yeah. But to grieve and to go through it can also have an effect, as we were talking earlier, about on our own fear of death. You know, we can see all this process of life, of death, of grief, as a normal thing. It's, it's what it means to be human in this body, and we all have to go through it. And if reincarnation is to be believed, we've all gone through it thousands of times. We don't remember it, but we have. McNair, let's talk about the future. Let's talk about the future. How do you see, do you, do you see our view of death changing in the future? Our fear uh, of death going uh, away definitely. more? It's, people wouldn't believe what's going to happen over the next 50 to 100 years and how our whole view of death and dying is going to change. In the world right now are a great group, if you will, of spiritual teachers called the Masters of Wisdom. These are spiritual teachers who are coming into our world for the first time to live openly since time immemorial, if you mm. will. And at their head is one who's called Maitreya, the world teacher. And this group of teachers, spiritual teachers, will be living with humanity once they come out into the public arena. They will be living among humanity, teaching, guiding, and showing us how to manifest who we are as spiritual beings, teaching us who we are in the first place and showing us how to demonstrate that in our daily lives. And one of the things they will be showing us is that death is not real. Death is only an illusion that happens to this body, but when you know who you are and when you experience who you are, you know that death is only a doorway through which you're walking. And this will be demonstrated for us. And it will take away from humanity that age-old fear of death that we've had for so long. And that it will free us up to live life more abundantly. My first thought is, will I live long enough to see, to hear this teaching and to, to feel this sense of relief? Well, um, where are these teachers and when do they start teaching? Unless you're going out tonight, I think you probably will be. You look pretty <laughs> strong and healthy and youthful. Um, it's going to happen very soon. Um, we're told by British author Benjamin Krim, who's the chief exponent of this story and has been for 20 years, that soon to emerge into the public arena will be the world teacher Maitreya and his group, the Masters. Prior to their coming out before the world, there will be certain changes in the world, one of which will be a major economic collapse, if you will, change, mm. so that the priorities of the world change. And instead of doing the things that we're doing now, spending all our money on armaments and guns and whatever it might be um, now, that 
our priorities will change. But for those priorities to change so that we're building houses for people and feeding people and giving people health care and education and clothing so that those become our concerns, the whole economic system has to change. Yeah, because money is God right now. Money is our God, exactly. Right. And there's nothing wrong with money in and of itself, but it's the use of it. Money can be a great spiritual tool, it actually. It can accomplish great things. Yes. But our whole focus on the material way of living has it. to change. Right. And an economic collapse is seen by the masters, by this group of spiritual teachers, mm -hmm. as really the only way to get us over that step so that we start to live life differently. So they're here now. They're here now. The economic collapse will happen. And then the world teacher will be invited to speak to the whole world through the link television and radios. By the, the media? World, by the media. There will be such a call from humanity that we need help okay. that he will be invited to come forward. He's living in the world now and has been for um, since 1977, ready to help humanity, ready to come forward at any moment, um, but hasn't because we haven't been ready for him. But very soon we're going to be ready because this change in our economy and our political system. So he's waiting for the change. timing to be right to have the greatest impact is what exactly. it sounds like. Exactly. So he's going to come forward and, what, speak to everybody? He will speak on that day, which will come to be known as the Day of Declaration. Mm -hmm. He will appear on television. People that have been, you know, alerted to this fact will turn on their TV and they'll see him on television. He, and he will, he will appear on television for 20 or 30 minutes. But the, the interesting thing about it is he won't speak, but yet we'll still hear him talking in our own minds, um, telepathically so that his words will be dropping silently into our minds. It'll be like he's having a conversation with us. Mm -hmm. You'll hear him in English. I'll hear him in English. Um, people in Holland will hear him in Dutch, and France will hear him in French, and so on around the world okay. in their own language. He will be telling us at that time who he is, why he's here, who we are, and that what our purpose is and what's going to happen with his presence in the world and the presence in the world of the Masters. On that day, also at that time, his love will flow out through all, over all the earth through the hearts of all humanity. It will be as if he is embracing us in his arms, his love. On the day of Pentecost in the Bible, right. people were felt that tremendous uplift of God's love and yes. spoken tongues. Well, this will be a reenactment only on a world scale of the happenings of Pentecost. And the third thing hap that will happen on that day, in addition to the us hearing his voice and his love flowing love. through our hearts, mm -hmm. is there will be hundreds of thousands of simultaneous physical healings of people who are ill, as if so that those together those three things will convince humanity that hey this is a pretty special fellow we better listen to what he's saying he's here to help let's let's let him talk some more yeah. so we can move on yeah. and have a better world. I like the idea of the love in the heart. I like that a lot, that we will feel the love of God in our heart because people are worried about the Antichrist and the Antichrist can't do that. No. So that would tell me that this is the real, the real teacher. Well, the love is already in us, Dick. The love is already there. It's like he's opening the door okay. and letting it out. So I mean, we his love connects with the love which is already within us. I would think that, th that after that, our view of death would change significantly. You when, know? It will. Yeah. When we know who we are, we don't, there's no reason to fear because we know that we're immortal and that life goes on.
Thank you, Reverend McNair-Ezzard. Thank enjoyed you it. so much for being with me. Thank you. Really enjoyed this conversation and your experience uh, lends a lot of wonderful information to the folks. Mm -hmm. And I hope that you too have enjoyed this visit. My name is Dick Larson. God bless. Well, I hope you found that enlightening and it gave you plenty to ponder upon. I know it did for me. And I thought I would go over, I took some notes here, some of what they said. Wasn't it interesting how McNair started out as a child with an interest in ghosts? Don't a lot of us have that fascination as children? I know I did. And then later on as we grow up and as the world matured, he talked about how hospice care uh, came to the fore and gained in popularity and importance. And he mentioned how, despite all that, to this day, we're still sort of a death-defying society, though the whole hospice movement shows we're making some progress in that area. And then he mentioned how in nursing homes and hospitals there and um, in the culture in general, there's this emphasis on a denial of death and on youth. And now we're realizing that death does not necessarily have to be viewed as something bad. And why did people fear it? Well, he mentioned them fearing pain, judgment, loss of identities, loss of loved ones, our over-identification with the material world. And of course, McNair mentioned how and why we can get past that. And of course, the social, religious, societal, and scientific conditioning of the last 2,000 years. <clears throat> Some of that didn't help either. But now we're moving past that, past the fear of death and misdeeds and the whole concept of hell, hell being the fruit of Christianity, as Krishnamurti put it, and that it's not real, it's just a state of mind, and that heaven is a state of mind also something that we can experience in this life. We don't have to wait till after death. And after death, we're not necessarily sitting up in the clouds strumming a harp, but we've got work to do. Although it's much like the Christian concept of heaven, everything's blissful and you can create whatever you want and everyone's happy and then your number comes up and you're back here again on earth. But eventually, you move past the need to reincarnate and you enter the kingdom of souls, the next kingdom, you know, past the human kingdom, where the masters of wisdom reside. And that's basically heaven all the time. And he touched upon, too, McNair did, about how we go through various changes as we evolve, which in the Ageless Wisdom teaching they call the POE, the point of evolution, that rises up and up and up through the first, second, third, and fourth initiations into the fifth when you become a master of wisdom. But that discussion is a whole show in itself. And I like too how McNair mentioned that over incarnation after incarnation, we learn more about the plan for this planet. Most people don't even know that there is a plan with a capital P for this planet. But even now, we are unconsciously responding to that as best we can. 
And then I also enjoyed how he talked about salvation as being the resolution of our karma, learning to live um, with the law of harmlessness, and salvation is also our union with the divine. And how to deal with it, this whole issue, to face it, to meditate on it, to read about what the great teachers and philosophers have said. And then we realize that all of this is transitory, and at the same time, life is eternal. It's a paradox, but one which we're capable, in the end, of grasping. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this show and enjoyed the subject and all that McNair and Dick had to talk about, and hopefully you'll watch it again. And in the next century, we can look forward to our view of death being transformed, as the Masters will help demonstrate as I said, that death is just an illusion. What's not an illusion is this show, and we will be back again, and we hope you will join us with a renewed faith and understanding, conception, and in-depth view of life everlasting. Thank you. Visit us on Facebook at hashtag Planetary Makeover. This show has been a production of planetarymakeover.org. At our website, we have a link to our bi-weekly live show at 5 p.m. Mondays, Western Time, and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. At our website, we also have a link to our archives and a selection of our shows. For more background info, visit www.shareinternational-west Org. That's shareinternational-west.org. For related books and DVDs and CDs by Benjamin Krem on the emergence of Maitreya, the world teacher, please go to share-ecart.com.